From God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Faith is to believe what you do not see. The reward of this faith is to see what you believe. St. Augustine said that back in the early part of the 5th century. He grew up as a Roman citizen in North Africa. His mother was a Christian. Father wasn't, but he got away from the Christian faith to live a pretty wild and crazy life for a while before he had a powerful conversion experience. He once prayed, give me chastity and continence, but not yet. Continence in the sense of uh, sexual restraint. It was a kind of a prayer of the monks. He eventually became the Bishop of Hippo in what is modern-day Algeria. He was a great influencer in the Christian church at a time when it was struggling against all sorts of heresies. Faith is to believe what you do not see. The reward of this faith is to see what you believe. Seeing is believing, people are more apt to say today, like Doubting Thomas, right? Unless I see the the marks in his hands and put my hand into his side, I won't believe. Talking about uh, Jesus' resurrection after the disciples saw Jesus on Easter evening and Thomas wasn't there for some reason. But some great truths are so obvious we, we have to believe even though we can't exactly see them, like gravity or air. If you grew up in the Midwest or maybe along the coast of Florida, you know how powerful air can be from tornadoes and, and hurricanes. But on the good side, the power of air can be harnessed and used for lots of good things too. You need pressure of air to blow up basketballs, to flush toilets, to drink through a straw. It plays a pretty important role in allowing a one million pound jumbo jet to get off the ground and stay in the sky. That and about four Rolls Royce engines. That and, and some pretty ingenious design factors too. It can be harnessed to drive power tools and, and without air pressure, the hydraulic brake systems on trains and, and uh, big trucks wouldn't even let them get out of the terminal or the station. Barometric pressure gauges help us predict weather patterns. And then there's breathing. Air's pretty good for that. I suppose it's a little harder to believe in air these days because here in Southern California, since so many people are staying at home or working from home, you can't see it anymore. The air is cleared up. What I'm trying to say is that just because you can't see something, just because it's invisible, doesn't mean it isn't there or that it's not important, or that it doesn't have great potential. So why do people have so much trouble understanding and accepting the person and work of the Holy Spirit? It's important to get that straight right up front this morning because it'll help us understand something Jesus talks about in our gospel lesson today. It's Thursday night in that lesson, uh, Passover. The last night he'll spend with his disciples because it's going to be the night when he'll be arrested and tried, and then the next morning, crucified. Good Friday. Although nobody really, you know, back then saw much good about it at all. And he does that good news, bad news thing with them. He, first the bad news. Before the night is through, before dessert, one of them would betray him. And if that wasn't bad enough, he announces that he'll soon be leaving them. The good news is that he promises to send someone to take his place. Uh, paraclete in the original Greek. Now, the first thing you need to know is that a paraclete isn't a bird that you can teach to talk. 
It's a word that means uh, several different things, all of which apply to all the kinds of things the paraclete will do, or parakletos in our, in our lesson text. It can be translated helper, like it is in our lesson today from the English Standard Version of the Bible. Other Bible versions translated as uh, comforter, or advocate, or counselor. And they all work because they all fit the job description. And it's a big job. The paraclete will be hoagios panuma, or the Holy Spirit. Panuma is a Greek word for spirit, or ghost, or breath. Uh, We get a lot of our breath or air words from it. Uh, Pneumatic, or pneumonia. Uh, In Hebrew, it's ruach, for for the breath, or wind. Uh, in, In Genesis, the spirit, the the ruach covered over the water when he was there at creation. Jesus' earthly role with his disciples uh, will soon be assumed by the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And as badly as Jesus' disciples were going to need a helper after he left, an encouragement and counselor to strengthen and guide them through dangerous and difficult times that lay ahead, so do we. And Jesus didn't leave them as orphans, And he doesn't leave us either. The fallen world we live in is still a a difficult and a dangerous place. But the spirit never left. And unless we choose to be, we never have to be spiritual orphans either. Not in this world. You know, a church official in Canada tells a disturbing story, a true story, about a hunting party that ventured out into the woods in the northern part of that country. And while the other members were setting up the camp, two of their party wandered off. It was a clear, warm autumn day, you know, northern Canada at its best. The men were captivated by the beauty of it all, but after a while they discovered they were completely lost. When the two didn't return to camp, an emergency protocol went into effect. By the next day, a large military search and rescue helicopter had been flown in. Local trackers were summoned. No one panicked. But the weather was predicted to get cold and snowy, and so time was critical. The search continued for 11 days until finally the two men stumbled upon another group of hunters who gave them shelter. Tragically, during the night, one of the two lost men died of hypothermia. Two days later, the church official who tells the story was asked to meet with the survivor at the local hospital. Uh, The official was at that time a pastor in that community. The surviving man was grateful to be alive, but he was clearly grieving the the death of his friend. He was devastated, and he confessed to the pastor that on the second day of his search, he and his friend actually heard the rescue helicopter coming toward them, but rather than wave it down, they did just the opposite. They hid because they were embarrassed by the, the obvious trouble they were causing everyone, and they were still convinced they could find their way back on their own. I know. Typical males, right? But this was no laughing matter. The tragic decision they made ended up costing one of those men his life. They hid because they were embarrassed. Sort of like Adam and Eve in the garden, right? In Genesis chapter 3. They hid from God because they had sinned and they were ashamed. They also hid because they didn't understand who God was and who they were in relation to God. Listen again to what Jesus says. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, 
and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Let me ask you something this morning, and it's, it's uh, especially important in these last few months when we've been you know, feeling like we've uh, been in jail in our own homes. During all this time alone, have you even begun to live more like you're a spiritual orphan than a son or daughter of the king? Have you been living like you don't have a heavenly father who cares about you? Or maybe even before all this started, you've begun to just sort of wander through your life through your career, you know, lost, without direction. And maybe you've been doing it for so long now, you feel like you've burned your spiritual bridges and it's too late and you're too lost to find your way back, even if you wanted to, to what was at one time a very special uh, spiritual relationship with God. That's exactly where Satan wants you to be. Lost, not found. Jesus is saying this morning that even if you feel that way, it's not true. Even if you're new to the faith and God has led you to watch this service and to hear God's words, you're not lost anymore. He's already found you. Because the creator of all that is loves us enough to meet us where we're at, not where we hope to be someday. And that's the beginning of a journey that can take you all the way to heaven. If you were baptized into the faith decades ago, even if there's been a lot of sketchy history since then, God adopted you that day as his own. You received the same spirit that Jesus sent to his disciples, and he's still with you today, still lives in you. Your helper, though, your comforter, your guide. Like the air around us, you can't see him. The disciples could see and touch Jesus physically when he lived among them, but they couldn't see the Holy Spirit when he came at Pentecost. They saw evidence of his presence, plenty, and they knew that he was just, just as real and, and just as much God as the, as the Father and the Son. He's God-powerful, and he's able to change your life. You know, a commercial pilot on one occasion made a particularly bad landing. Maybe you'd experience those yourself. The wheels of the big jet hit the runway with a jarring thud. Afterward, uh, in accordance with airline policy, you know, he had to stand at the door while the passengers uh, uh, exited, and he was supposed to give each one of them a big smile and say, you know, thanks for flying with us today. Well, in light of his bad landing, he had a hard time looking everyone in the eye. He was afraid someone would have a smart comment to make, although no one seemed particularly annoyed by it. It was the last passenger, a little old lady who made her way to the the front of the plane with the help of her cane, who had patiently been waiting for the mad dash to end, who finally approached him and said, Sonny, do you mind if I ask you a question? No, ma'am, he said bravely. Did we land, she asked, or were we shot down? Well... Maybe you've had bad days like that yourself. Or you're feeling like you've had a whole life like that. Like you've been shot down. Shot down by your friends who don't call as often as they used to. Shot down by your family who you can't see as often as you used to. Shot down from your career. Shot down by your retirement expectations. 
And everyone tells you politely how fortunate you are and how much you have going, but you don't feel very fortunate at all. And fear is, is beginning to overtake you. Fill that empty spaces where, where hope once lived. You ever known anyone who practically died from no hope? You know, plagued by fear and worry about all the things that might happen? Maybe you were haunted by the troubles of the past, or maybe the stress they brought on themselves finally just became too much when all they really needed was some assurance that things were going to be all right. That assurance is what Jesus is trying to to leave his disciples with this, uh, this morning. What he wants to leave through his word in the scriptures with us. Last week we heard the first part of this conversation. Uh, Let not your hearts be troubled, Jesus said. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you will be also. That's your future. The place already prepared and waiting for you in heaven. Yours is God's free gift by your faith in Jesus. That's hope for tomorrow, no matter what life might send your way. In today's conversation, Jesus offers us hope and help for today. He never promised his disciples a life free from troubles or problems. You know, troubles are part of life. You know, roofs leak. Cars don't start. People get mad. Feelings get hurt. Businesses shut down. And sometimes we get just sick and tired and feel victimized by it all. And some of it will be life-shattering. Some of it will be just a nuisance. Some of it will be wonderful and rewarding beyond your wildest dreams. But it's a mixed bag, this side of heaven. The good news is that that helper, that counselor and comforter, that advocate Jesus sent his disciples has never left. He's still here. He brings us to saving faith. And then he throws away the forensic sign in your heart and moves right in. God dwells in the hearts of believers. Not one-third of God, all of God, with all his power in the third person of the Holy Trinity. That's why Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. You know the helper because you know me. You won't see him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. For I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. It's a lot of pronouns. But all he's really saying is that while he may be gone physically back to heaven, spiritually he's still with us along with the Father in the person of the Holy Spirit. That same Jesus who lived for you, who died for you on a cross to take away all your sins and who rose for you on Easter morning still abides with you. God in you. God with you. God for you. He's your biggest cheerleader. We're not alone in times of distress. We're not orphans. We have a Savior, a Redeemer who watches over us and cares for us, someone to counsel us and comfort us. I will come to you, Jesus says. In 1934, Adolf Hitler summoned many of the leaders of the the, uh, German church to his Berlin office to 
berate them for insufficiently supporting his programs. A Lutheran pastor, Martin Niemöller, explained that he was concerned only for the welfare of the church and the welfare of the German people. Niemöller, like most Protestant pastors, was a national conservative who had originally supported Hitler's rise to power, expecting that it would bring a badly needed national revival. Now, by autumn of 1934, along with men like Karl Barth and Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he joined 800 other Lutheran and Protestant churchmen to form what they called the Confessional Church, opposing the Nazification of their congregations. Hitler said to have snapped, you, can, you confine yourself to the church. I'll take care of the German people. Niemöller replied, You said, I'll take care of the German people, but we too, as Christians and churchmen, have a responsibility toward the German people. That responsibility was entrusted to us by God, and neither you nor anyone in this world has the power to take it away from us. Hitler listened in silence, but that evening the Gestapo raided Niemöller's rectory, and a few days later a bomb exploded in his church. During the months following, he was closely watched by the secret police, and in June of 1937, after preaching that his people must obey God rather than men, he was arrested and placed in solitary confinement. His trial began in September, or I mean February 1938. That morning, a uniformed guard escorted the pastor from his cell through a series of underground passages toward the courtroom. Niemöller was overcome with terror and, and loneliness. You know, what would become of him, of his family, of his church? The guard's face was impassive, and he was silent as stone. But as they exited a tunnel to ascend the final flight of stairs, Niemöller heard a whisper. At first, he didn't know where it came from. The voice was soft as a sigh. And then he realized that the, 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 the officer was breathing into his ears the words of Proverbs 18, verse 10. The Lord is a mighty tower where his people can run for safety. His fear fell away. And the power of that verse sustained him through his trial and the years that followed in concentration camps. The Lord is a mighty tower. We're not alone. God has made his dwelling place with us, within us in the person of the Holy Spirit. A simple truth, like gravity and air, but so much more power and potential. See, if we're living as spiritual orphans, it's not God's fault. It's ours. Embrace the truth. You know, embrace the promise and the power and the potential already at your disposal. We're not orphans. We're children of the king, royalty, and heirs to eternal life. We are not alone. And thanks be to God. Amen. And now may that very special peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.